Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Live Well Bipolar. I'm so excited to be introducing you guys to my special guest this week, who I got introduced to by a friend of mine and an awesome presentation by Dr. Yaz, who is also a doctor here in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I'm going to be introducing you guys to Dr. Tara Payman today. She focuses on providing holistic treatment options for bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, and complex trauma. And I can't wait to introduce you guys to her and really hear about not just her own personal experiences, but what she has seen to be the most effective in the clients that she's worked with and all of her years of practice and really the different solutions she's been able to come across for bipolar and her research and her work. So can't wait to introduce you guys to her to here right now. So Dr. Payman, thanks so much for joining. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. Yes, of course. And just get into this topic. I was going on her website and just doing some research and something that is so interesting that I found that I can't wait to get into is Dr. Payne was talking about her own experiences going back to struggling with depression and panic disorder. And that's really what led her to really focusing her practice on homeopathic solutions, naturopathic solutions from what's really helped her. So I'd love for you to get into yeah. how you discovered this world of naturopathic sure. solutions. Yeah. So, um, when I was a little kid, like, you know, a young teenager, I was always, I always knew I was going to help people. That was my calling. I could feel it already. And I was interested in holistic medicine, like herbal medicine and nutrition. I would actually, when I was in high school, I would go to the health food store and collect like little, make like little baggies of different herbs that could be useful for headaches or stomach aches or things like that. And I would buy empty capsules. And if like a friend had a headache, I'd be like, oh, let me make you a little herbal remedy. And so I was into it already. So even before I knew what naturopathic medicine was as a field of medicine, I knew I, I liked that kind of thing. And then as I grew up and I was in college, I started to have anxiety attacks and it really hit me when I was a new naturopathic student, actually, in my first year, I started to have panic attacks that were really disabling. And I had some experience with depression, but it wasn't really until like that was the panic attacks were the first thing that created a problem for me. And then I started to have depression maybe uh, honestly, like as a result of having the panic where I was like, I don't know what to do. I feel so helpless. And, and then I started to have some pretty like depression as well at times. And I, at, because I was a student of naturopathic medicine, students could go to the naturopathic clinic and get treatment at a reduced rate. And I was like, well, I definitely want to try that first. You know, I don't want to just jump to medication um, as a first step. I want to see if I can get better with something natural. And at the time, I really didn't know anything about homeopathy. I'd actually read a little bit about it and it didn't make sense to me. I was like, it sounds like a placebo. I don't really believe in it. I probably won't do that. But then when I was experiencing these panic attacks, I was like, I don't even care. Like any help me. I'm so desperate. And I just signed up with a doctor and whoever the doctor that they set me up with, the first doctor specialized in homeopathy and psychology. He was actually a psychologist and he used homeopathic medicine and he gave me a remedy that really helped. And I was like, oh my gosh, this stuff really does work after all. And it was especially powerful because I didn't even believe in it and it still worked. So I could tell it wasn't placebo, you know? 
And then I worked with a different doctor later who then that other doctor became my favorite teacher when I was in naturopathic school. And so I became a big fan of homeopathy because I experienced it myself. I was like, this stuff really works. I'm actually totally better now. And now I feel like I need to share this with the world. So it really set me on a path to help as many people as I could with homeopathic medicine for mental health. That's so cool. And just especially hearing you get into the part two of how you found the solution and were like hesitant about it before going in and like wanting to jump into traditional medications. Even hearing you talk about being younger and going through and like putting things, putting little (laughs) mixtures together and being like, oh, you have this. Let me try to find something to put together. Like you were already doing this from such a young age. And I wish that I knew of these kind of different solutions earlier in my life. Cause I always thought the only thing you could do is just go to your psychiatrist and then just try and get different meds. kind of medications. Right. And I love the thing that you share too, of just being so open and willingness to share your story, especially on the website of talking about your own experience with depression, panic disorder, and then even how you had a doctor who helped you out with identifying some of these remedies and then saying, wow, this has actually ended up being my favorite doctor. We're going like completely full circle. Right. which is, I feel like something you don't see in a lot of providers because I know I've never had a doctor that I've gone to who was like, Hey, you know, I used to struggle with something, you know, anxiety or depression, or I've had some kind of something like history wise. So I, have you always been that way or was there something that like caused you to want to just share more of your story to be more open? You know, I think it's a really important thing to, I think it's an important comment um, because people, especially in mental health, when they go to a doctor or, you know, a therapist or psychiatrist, they don't want to be treated as if they're uh, just a number for sure. And they also, they don't want to see their doctor or their therapist as just like a blank slate, you know, like it works better in my opinion and there's research to back this up, that if, if the provider, if the therapist or the doctor actually creates a little bit of humanity, you know, and shares not, they shouldn't make it about them. You know, if, that would be wrong if you went to your therapist and they were like, let me tell you all my problems, right? That wouldn't be appropriate or, or ethical. But it is ethical and appropriate to be open and flexible to a certain extent and create a sense of like, I'm a real person. I get this. Like, I understand what it feels like. What it does is it creates a certain level of trust. So to answer your question, I don't think I was always like this. When I first started in my practice, I was a lot more reserved and a lot more um, prone to just being like, no, you know, you don't know anything about me. And then I started to just get more confident and comfortable and realizing that it was actually therapeutically beneficial to my patients for me to occasionally open up a little bit. If it, and you have to, it's an art, you know, you don't want to just like overshare. That's not helpful, but there's certain times when it is really helpful to, to share certain things, especially when somebody feels really lost and really alone, you know, to open up and share your humanity with them and share, like, I've been through some of this, or I know someone who's been through this, 
you're not alone here. And so many people go through this too. And I understand. I love that. And especially the approach you take to that and and sharing that those parts of your experience, when you feel like it could help the person you're talking with too, I think is huge. And especially something Mm -hmm. that came up for me that I would love to hear about is I know that you mentioned having a, there's a history of bipolar in your family. How did you find out about the history? Was your family open about it? I'd love to hear your, how you came across that. Yeah. Um, so not really. I didn't know about it when I was growing up. It wasn't really discussed. I remember, and I don't even know if this was ever officially diagnosed, but I remember my grandfather having, it look, now looking back, like he had bipolar. I just know it because I saw it. I saw him, you know, wild and manic. And then I saw him I would, I remember going into the, into his kitchen at one point and he was just sitting at the kitchen table crying. And I was like, what's wrong with grandpa? And everyone was like, oh, we don't know, you know? So it was definitely not talked about, at least to the kids. I mean, and I'm talking about when I was really young. Um, But then when I was in high school, another family member of mine had a mental health crisis and was diagnosed with bipolar and was hospitalized for a long time. And then I saw him uh, be put on medication, which was necessary, but he was really over-medicated. And so I would see him just like asleep during the day for long stretches of time. So he wasn't on a good protocol for him. He was very, very sedated and not functioning as a result of being over-medicated. So I saw that I saw the unmedicated side with my grandfather, and then I saw the over-medicated side with this other family member of mine. And I, I'm sure that made an impact on me. And I was still young at that time. That was when I was in high school. So, you know, I really didn't know what was, what all the different options were. I certainly didn't know that there were any kind of holistic treatment options for bipolar disorder when I was that young. Um, but now it's good for me to have had this experience because I, I can see that no treatment is certainly not good. <laughs> and there is such a thing as too much medication for sure. And there's also a place for medication, right? Like when a person is really not functioning and for a variety of reasons, medications can be extremely beneficial and helpful if they're used correctly. Wow. And I love how you open up about having the experience of seeing both ends of it, of like the over-medicated with the one family member you talk about being hospitalized and like really, really over-medicated to the point of something that I've noticed as well when I was hospitalized, seeing a lot of the people in the hospital with me who shared similar experiences with that and would open up about their medications with me of being on, you know, maybe like six, seven, eight different ones and just really not feeling any kind of a solution. Love to hear more about when you mention the remedy that your Mm -hmm. doctor gave to you that was helpful. So when did that point in your life start and what was that like? What did you start to notice Mm -hmm. the impact that? that Well, so we're talking about when I was being treated for panic attacks. So it's, um, it's actually not that different by the way, in my experience with treating bipolar disorder, what to expect. But what I experienced was I started 
to, so I, I was put on a homeopathic remedy. The very first remedy I was given is a homeopathic remedy called carcinocinum. It's, um, it's a really useful homeopathic remedy for a lot of different mental health problems. And I use it a lot in my practice now. And I've, I was given several other homeopathic remedies over the course of time that I was being treated. Um, as far as how it felt or like the time frame, I started to feel less intensely overwhelmed by, by the anxiety. I could tell it was still happening. I would still have these episodes of, you know, panic attacks, but they were way less intense and I could tolerate them a lot better. And that's really similar to what I see when I'm working with most problems, actually, when, when it comes to homeopathic treatment is that over probably, um, couple of weeks is when it starts to kick in. Like for some people, they feel it instantly. And I, I honestly don't believe that that's a placebo effect. I think that it's really just individualized where some people feel a really big difference really fast, like within a few minutes of taking their homeopathic remedy, they'll start to feel a shift in their energy levels, feel less stuck in the, in the episode of whatever's going on. Um, just a, a calming effect usually, or if they're really depressed and lethargic, like a little bit of a lift, a little bit of an uplift. That's more unusual for, for somebody to feel it so fast. Usually it takes, you know, a few days to maybe a few weeks for it to start to kick in. Over time for me, what I experienced was just like a gradual stabilizing effect. So instead of it being like these spikes of high anxiety where I was unable to function, it was less intense and then also further apart. So the problems were happening still, but they were further and further apart, less and less intense until they just were not happening at all anymore. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then just getting into like the, the breakdown of being able to notice that, because I know sometimes that can be the trickiest part with treatment of, especially when you're talking about bipolar disorder, maybe being newly diagnosed or misdiagnosed, especially with someone like me when I was younger, diagnosed first right. with depression and then you know, 19 with bipolar, but really kind of coming up with something that works for people is really what I like to share more about on the podcast of things that you've seen, like the, the most useful for clients that you work with who come to you and then have this diagnosis when you're working with someone, like how does the process mm -hmm. start? Uh, so when somebody like? comes to see me or, or we have, I work in a practice called integrative mental health center. We have for naturopathic doctors in our practice right now. Um, and we all can treat bipolar disorder. I have a particular emphasis in the treatment of bipolar. So what it looks like is I'll do a pretty in-depth case history where in intake assessment, it's a two hour intake assessment. And what we're doing in that intake evaluation is we're really gathering a lot of data, a lot of history. You know, what have you been through? Really, when did it start? And we even, you know, we go back to before it started. You know, what was your childhood like? Often that's very relevant. You know, there's often trauma that's unresolved that in some cases was the cause of, you know, or seemingly was the cause of bipolar disorder starting to show up. Um, a lot of people will have... This is, this is just sort of a personal, um, like my own observation. I don't know if there's research to back this up, but what I've seen 
is that when somebody has a history of trauma and then they suppress it, like they don't, um, not only do they not resolve it, but they actively work to shove it down and not talk about it, then it can actually start to develop into mania. Um, often they'll, they'll have depression and then mania can be useful in many different ways, right? It can be like protective in certain ways because it feels for most people when they're manic, they feel invincible in certain ways, or they feel like powerful, right? Empowered and energized. And that's the opposite of what it feels like to be traumatized in a lot of ways. So Again, this is just like my personal sort of theorizing about this, but it's based on my experience, my clinical experience. I've been doing this for 15 years and I've seen it again and again, not in every case. Some cases are not at all trauma related. Some are just, you know, purely genetic or related to other stressors. Um, you know, sometimes it's like substance use or something else, but um, I find trauma, looking at trauma is super important. So we do... Um, we do an intake where we look at that. We look at everything really, you know, what is the person's lifestyle like? How are they eating? Are they moving their body regularly with exercise? Are they getting, you know, sunlight? What is their social life like? It's holistic. So we're looking at their entire person and then we get the, you know, if they have a diagnosis or if let's say they were diagnosed with depression, like you were. So uh, which I've seen a lot, especially in my younger patients, you know, they're, they come in either with a diagnosis of depression. So they're misdiagnosed and then I properly diagnose them or they were, they come in, you know, with the diagnosis of depression and then a recent diagnosis of bipolar. And now they're on meds and they're like, this is not working for me for whatever reason. Or, um, you know, they, they're seeking out some sort of alternative or some, something complementary to what they're doing. So I get the medication history and, helping them to really see, okay, so, you know, this started, this symptom picture started to show up. What treatments have you already tried? Have you done therapy? You know, what have you done? Um, different, you know, TMS or ketamine, or there's so many treatments out there now. So what have you done? What's worked? What hasn't worked? What types of episodes have you experienced? Um, sometimes people will come in and actually have um, psychotic episodes and it's it's actually um, they'll be misdiagnosed with schizophrenia or they're misdiagnosed with bipolar and they actually have something called schizoaffective disorder which is a different condition but it's I mean similar to you know and they can have bipolar episodes and psychotic episodes so anyway so we're really thorough with the diagnostic evaluation and then we put together a treatment plan based on everything that we're seeing. So that's based on what is really going on for that person. And then what we, we determine what's likely to work best. So that often involves, you know, if somebody comes in taking medication, we're not anti-medication by any means. So we're not going to take them off their medications. The only time I recommend going off, you know, I can give you an example. One of my patients was was put on an antidepressant um, and he has, I've been treating him actually since he was like a little kid, like nine or something for OCD. And oh, he was wow. doing great. And then he was experiencing some depressive episodes. 
still had OCD and depression. And so his psychiatrist or his, I think it was a primary care doctor actually, which this often happens with PCPs. They're like, oh, I'll just give you Prozac or I'll just give you, you know, super fast, like 15 minute appointment, no screening for bipolar at all. And so he put him on Lexapro and he started to have hypomanic episodes and it was pretty strong. Like it wasn't, I mean, he was having fun, but it wasn't just fun. It was distracting. He was in college. He was like having a hard time focusing. He was doing things out of character. It wasn't all good, you know? And so, and hypomania is never all good. It always needs to be addressed really because it can get, it can cause problems. But anyway, so he reached out to me and I was, he was just on Lexapro. And I was like, you need to get off this Lexapro. This is not good. You know, this is probably causing your hypomania at least. And we're still in the uh, investigation phase, but as far as I call it, and I, I just had this consultation with him where he asked me, do you think I really have bipolar or do you think, I mean, do you think I have like natural bipolar and the Lexapro has brought it out? Or do you think that it was just caused by Lexapro? And I said, you know, I don't know. We'll have to just see the way to, to figure that out is to get you, get you off. So what I did for him is I, I helped him get off of Lexapro and put him on Lamictal for a period of time. And he totally stabilized. And I also gave him homeopathic remedies, which also helped a lot. And, um, and some herbal medicines wow. for anxiety he was experiencing a lot of anxiety. So I put him on some herbal and nutritional supplements like L-theanine and passion flower that can help a lot with calming anxiety down and reducing racing thoughts. And then, and now we had a conversation most recently about, you know, maybe I can go off of Lamictal. I never, I never needed this before I was put on Lexapro. So maybe I don't need it. And I was like, you know, we don't know until you're off of it. And I think that we can find out. <laughs> That's an example of like a misdiagnosis or a problem that could be created by a hasty medication prescription. Um, in our office, we're just a lot more thorough. Wow. Yeah, I love the whole breakdown of that, especially just from the beginning, how you do the the full two-hour intake and you really get into the whole history. And I love how you mentioned too, lifestyle, diet, exercise, history, different treatments you've tried because I know just from my experience, I really didn't have that experience for myself when I was hospitalized and then was diagnosed with bipolar one, court-ordered treatment, SMI, outpatient clinic for a year. And then when I went back and graduated from school, I ended up going back and working at the exact same clinic where I was oh, a wow. patient at. So being on the other side of seeing like pretty similar to you of seeing like the assessment process. And I'm like, why aren't more of these questions right. asked? But still at that time, I had a lot of work still to do myself that I wasn't ready to face with my own diagnosis and different things like that. So that's why I love that you break this down and then get into really making it a specific yeah. custom treatment plan to what they're experiencing and then seeing what your history is with medications. Cause pretty similar to the story that you just shared with one of your clients, when I was diagnosed with depression, I remember I was on different um, and I had a PCP too that I would go to, mm -hmm. to like get refills and it was just pretty quick, but I love just getting into how you break down how it's so yeah. tailored to that. And then also how you're also not anti-medication. Cause I feel like there's certain people, certain people who are like completely against, uh, com completely against it altogether and only into different certain kinds of treatments. But I really love the approach that you take to really identifying it to the individual and like what's working for you or what right. has worked, what hasn't You've seen what it looks like right. to be completely 
unmedicated and then also super on the extents of like too much medication. So I love that just the willingness to even listen to the clients that you're working with instead of just, you know, in a lot of the instances I've seen of where clients are like, Hey, you know, I, what if I can try a different medication or, you know, different things. And the, a lot of the providers are like, no, right. like just stay what you're doing. And it's not really yeah. like looking at other. Practices. I feel, you know, one of the That's things so- that breaks my heart the most is having patients come in to see me and they say, they say that they feel broken and they tell me that they, they feel broken because they get these messages from their doctor. Like their psychiatrist tells them this, you're going to be this way for the rest of your life when they feel really bad. You know, it's like they're on a protocol that's really barely even working. And the doctor's just like, deal with it you know, and, and so then they feel like unheard, just untreatable, you know, and that's just not fair. That's just yeah. not fair. That's because it's not even true. You know, it's, it does, it can get better than that. And it doesn't, I'm, I'm not trying to say that everybody can get off of their meds. Some people really should stay on medication. And I spend actually a decent amount of time and energy convincing some of my patients to stay on their meds when they come to me and they have, you know, really serious bipolar one or schizophrenia or something. And they're like, I want to go off all my meds. And I'm like, please don't, (laughs) because I don't want you to end up in the hospital. Like that's so traumatic. And let's just, so my goal, what I tell people is, you know, like you were saying, some people come in, they're on seven, eight different medications and they're on meds to counter the effects of the other meds. And like, let's just try to simplify Let's figure out what are you, what are you benefiting from? Do you really need to be on 600 milligrams of Seroquel? Like maybe you could be on 300 and have, and be okay. You know, maybe you don't need to be on all of these other meds that are countering the side effects because we, maybe we can find natural options to counter the side effects, or maybe we can utilize, you know, by adding a good homeopathic remedy for, for a patient I often find that their dosage requirement of their meds can be significantly reduced. And so that just improves their quality of life because then they can still, they stay stable. They're still on enough medication to keep their life even keel, but they're not so drugged up that they feel just like a zombie, you know, and then having all these medication side effects. So you can utilize the best of both worlds. And I think something else you brought up that I I haven't ever actually heard it put the way that you put it, but you talk about the history with the trauma and then suppressing that leading to mania. And once you were describing that, that was so interesting because that I feel like is what happened with my experience. And I feel like that's why I had the first diagnosis of depression because I never had any of the mania Mm -hmm. until 19. So it was all that time. And, and especially when you talk about yeah. the suppressing a, and then the unresolved traumas, because like you're mentioning, I didn't really have any breakthroughs for myself. You know, I was still going to my appointments. I was taking the medication. I was doing everything I was told to do, but I didn't really start to notice changes of actually feeling better and having a better quality of life until I started looking at those pieces that I was running away from, like you talk about the unprocessed traumas and just the history and what I can control and then changing, like you mentioned the lifestyle factors 
what you're eating, getting outside, and then even getting introduced to new solutions and just doing research, you know, reading different books, looking at other people's memoirs and just anything that I can. So I feel like that's really what made a difference for me. So I'd love to hear if you could share, if you could pinpoint for me, like the top thing that you've noticed so far in helping people live well with bipolar, Mm, what would that thing be? I don't know if it's possible to pick one thing, I know. That's why it's hard. I always love to ask it to see people's thoughts because it's so different. I think it really is just going back to the thing that's underneath it. So, because it's not one thing, there's not one thing that's like the, the golden key for everybody. You know, if everyone just took methylfolate, everyone would feel better. Like that's not even true. Some people feel way better. Some people feel worse, you know? So there's miracle, quote unquote, miracle cures that are just not everybody's miracle. Um, but what I would say is the, is the golden ticket is to, is to be introspective with each and every individual and go back to when did this really begin? And then you can figure out what is underneath this and what do I need to address? And, you know, so sometimes it is trauma related, like we were just discussing. Sometimes it's other situations. So here's an interesting sort of side note or another example of, of, you know, how this could begin. Um, Sometimes there are other disorders that are related to this, like a person might have an eating disorder or some sort of disordered eating and they become very nutritionally deficient and then they start to develop symptoms of bipolar disorder. So it might be a nutritional deficiency, you know? So it's like, what was going on around that time? Or is it just genetics where, you know, everyone on both sides of your family is prone to mental illness and you have a very strong family history of bipolar and it tends to show up around, you know, 20 or something. And that's just, that's just what we know. And so then what we, what we do with that from my perspective is look at those genetics. We can do genetic testing. We can figure out, okay, you have this, um, MTHFR defect, which is a specific folate related genetic mutation. So you need this certain nutritional supplement. And then suddenly their depression is like, 65% better than it was before, you know, that simple nutritional addition. So I think it just, it's so individualized, but just being really curious about what's underneath and then addressing that for each individual. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that explanation and, and just how you talk about really going back to that point. And especially the example you just gave of history with the eating disorder and then having the nutritional deficiency showing up and then having like symptoms coming up that look like bipolar, because I mentioned this too, of having like just 15 years experience in doing this and seeing different clients that you're working with and different people coming in who might share, Oh, I was, I had this diagnosis and then I got this diagnosis and just really, again, like, like you're saying, not asking those questions or really, I feel like part of it too, is really letting that person know that you're capable of really moving forward from it. Cause I know basically my experience is just, I was always told, you know, just take your medicine, go to your appointments. And I feel like that's what I saw with a lot of, yeah, that's what I saw with a lot of the, the clients that I would work with when I went back to the clinic of them really instilling that and being like, it's almost like you 
you don't even ask them mm -hmm. about their interests or their passions or what they're going to work towards. It's just like, just take your medicine, right. go to your appointments. And that's really all you can do. And like you said, you have a do doctor who is basically mm -hmm. trained this way and taught, you know, these things that there's no cure. And I feel like you hear it a lot of there's, you know, there's no cure for bipolar and there isn't, but like you're saying, like treatments that it's custom to the individual. And I feel like that's yeah. so great to hear that because I feel like that's so great to know that there is hope out there for, you know, this, maybe this isn't working, but being able to have people out there like you who have really just dedicated their life to doing these practices of wanting right. to dig deeper with that person instead of just being like, okay, well, this is what your diagnosis is. So it's either going to be lithium for you, mm -hmm. amygdala for you, or really looking into, like you said, like a combination of that medication and whatever dose it is. And then, you know, if the if the client's like, Hey, I feel ready to maybe lower this looking at something mm -hmm. else that could be helpful or just other substitutes. So I just love that the whole way you break that down and then going back to examining mm -hmm. what's underneath it and then really having that introspection and being able to really understand it. Cause that's the biggest piece I think I was missing for a long time right. is just the awareness. Cause I just wanted to keep pushing, just keep going, just keep going, mm -hmm. just do what you're doing. And and it'll eventually f work out or whatever. So I really love that. And I'd love to hear too, just before we, um, end, I would love for you to tell, tell everyone where can they find more of you? And yeah. So you. you can find me, uh, you can find a lot of information on my website. Actually, that's a really good way to get a hold of me. And that website is imhcaz.com. So it's integrative mental health center. So it's imhcaz.com. And I'm also on Instagram at, um, you can, we can put links in the show notes, right? So yes. yeah. And I'm on Facebook. Yes. Um, you can find me on there. And so, yeah, but our website has a lot of good information. Um, you can connect with me there and find out more. We offer free 15 minute consults for prospective patients. So, and there's, you know, no obligation. So if you're just interested to learn more, you can just reach out to us and we can do a free consult. I do all of the free consults at our practice. So no matter who you, which doctor you get set up with, you would be talking to me first and kind of like the gatekeeper. <laughs> so, um, so I would love to, to connect with anybody out there who's interested to learn more. Awesome. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I'm going to make sure I get all these links down. So the website, her Instagram, and then also the Facebook. And yeah, I definitely encourage you guys to check into Dr. Sarah Payman. I'm so happy you made the time to come out on the podcast. And I'm so glad that we got connected through um, friends here and just being able to set this conversation up. I really enjoyed talking with you, just hearing your history and just your experiences and your story and just really what you found effective and just the great examples you get, you've given of clients you've worked with and really just how, how it goes back to really examining what's underneath and really kind of getting into looking at the whole picture. I want to thank you for coming out and I hope that you all have a wonderful rest of the daytime or night, depending on when you're listening. So, all right. Bye, bye guys. Bye.